The walls of this hotel are paper thin. Last night I heard you making love to him. The strong mouth to mouth and limb to limb. I stood there with my against the wall. I was my seized by jealousy and I fight a burden lifted from my soul. I To your kisses, I hit the door. I never heard in a world so clear before. from my soul I heard the light was out of my control A heavy burden lifted from my My best friend when I was in the second grade was this kid named Nicky. Came over to my house one time, spent the night, and he ended up throwing up on my head. That evening we played Dolly Parton until wrestling came on. Dolly Parton was this game where you pushed a pillow beneath your t-shirt top and ran as fast as you could towards the other person shouting Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton. I caught Nicky not paying attention, slammed at him at full speed, sumo wrestler style. Nicky slammed against the hallway paneling, fell to the floor, laughing so hard that Mom told us to stop. So we put on our PJs and turned the wrestling on and ate some ice cream sandwiches. My cat, Razy, was sitting in the Lazy Boy recliner watching us eat the ice cream sandwiches. So we watched the Rock and Roll Express do a double drop kick and win the match against the Midnight Express. We knew this was the story of our little boy paradise, watching grown men in tights and on steroids fly through the air doing double drop kicks and playing pretend. We watched and cheered, and I pulled the white wrapper of my ice cream sandwich off and watched Nicky eat his with the brown ice cream sandwich ring around his mouth. I have an idea, Nicky said, and stood up. What? I said, and watched Nicky push his butt into Razy's face. Nicky chewed his ice cream sandwich and ripped a supersonic one right in front of Razy's whiskers. 
Reese's face blew back like some cat general suddenly called him to attention. He tucked in his ears and he didn't move. It was more like he was embarrassed, like he was saying, what the fuck was that? Then his face got grumpy and he turned away from us like he knew what had happened. I think that punk kid just farted in my face. Then he licked his lips, disgusted. Yeah, I think that kid just farted in my face. Then, yeah, fuck those guys. Nikki and I laughed and rolled and fell on the floor and Razor just sat there. My mom told us if we wanted any more ice cream sandwiches that they were in the freezer, but don't eat too many. She was in her nightgown already and she was going to bed soon. Don't you guys stay up too late. Nikki went into the kitchen and got another ice cream sandwich. He'd already ate three, but I didn't say anything. Ripped the paper off another and let it fall into a tiny pile on the end table where I always made drawings after school. Drawings of soldiers, drawings of presidents. The ice cream sandwich wrappers gathered together like a pile of snake skins, all empty and worthless. Razy was napping now as Nikki ate his latest ice cream sandwich. I licked my ice cream that was pushing out at the edges of my sandwich and watched him sneak back over to Razy on his tiptoes. Razy kept napping and then opened his eyes at the same time Nikki's little boy butt balanced in front of his face and farted again. Razy didn't even react this time. We laughed a little less, and then Razy started sniffing the air with a peculiar sniff and licking his lips like, Mmm, that was strangely pleasant. Nikki said, I think he likes it. Then he stuffed the ice cream sandwich inside his mouth, and his cheeks were stuffed full of chocolate, and the brown ring around his mouth was thick. Razy had a look on his face like, I sort of wish that kid would do that again. I stood up and tried to fart in Razy's face, but I couldn't. Sat down next to Nicky, who wasn't laughing anymore. He burped loud and held his stomach like he had a stomach ache or something. I stared at the scar on Nicky's face. He got this scar when his brother accidentally blew up a bottle rocket in front of him. I wanted a scar like that, too. I wanted someone to burn my face so I could look as cool as Nicky with his scar. Next morning, I woke up and Nicky was already dressed. He was standing beside the pull-out bed and staring at me. I didn't wake up all the way, though, but just rolled over and dreamed more cartoon dreams. I didn't think why Nicky was already awake and had on a clean polo shirt buttoned straight up to the top and wearing tough skin corduroys, clean. I heard Nicky saying, Scott, Scott. I opened my eyes and quit my dream. Saw Nikki again in his bright red polo, and that's when I felt the wetness on my face. There was wet stuff on my hands, and there was wet stuff running up my neck. I looked at the bed and saw the brown stuff in the sheets and brown stuff on the pillows. Looked at my PJ top, and I saw it running up my arm. Earlier that week, Mom been popping popcorn on the stove, and I leaned over the stove with my PJ top, and my pajama arm suddenly burned away and disappeared immediately. So I had only one sleeve on my PJ top left after my mom cut the other one off with scissors. And now the one that was left had brown stuff all over it too. I looked at Nikki and Nikki stuttered and shouted, Razy must have got in and shit on everything, he said. It must have been where I was farting in his face last night. I knew I shouldn't have been farting in his face like that. My farts are too powerful. Razy was getting revenge. Stood up from the pull-out bed and went to get my mom. Walked down the paneled hallway on the yellow carpet and I opened the door slow. I said, Mom, and Mom was still asleep. I shook her once and once again. I said, Mom, I think Razy got in the house. Cropped everywhere. Mom said, What? Still half asleep and sat up and shook her head like that was silly. She let her white legs slice out from beneath the bed sheets with her calf hanging down. And she stood up. 
I followed her down the hallway and said, Yeah, it's true. Nikki and I were farting in his face last night. He must have got back in and shit on us out of revenge. My mother said, Scott, don't say that. The doors are locked. I got up and put him outside after you boys went to sleep. It's not even possible that he was in here. She walked to the pull-out bed where Nikki was still standing, scared. I saw the soft white skin of Nikki's little boy neck, and there was his birthmark. See, Mom, what Razy did? My mom looked at the brown puddle, pulled the sheets up to her nose, and smelled. She said, that's not crap, Scott. That's... But before she could say it, Nikki held his stomach, and it grumbled and rumbled and groaned. Nikki said, I'm sorry. Then he opened his mouth, and ice cream sandwich puke poured out of him like a fountain. Mom grabbed Nikki and pulled him over to the bed. How many ice cream sandwiches did Nikki eat last night? I don't know. Six, seven, eight... My mom took Nikki into the bathroom and took his shirt off. I watched from the crack in the doors. My mom took Nikki's clothes off one by one and put him in the bath. My mom was right. Razy didn't break it in the house and get his revenge. Nikki was a liar, and he'd thrown up on me. Mom called Nikki's mom to come get him. An hour later, Nikki's dad took off from work and showed up in his cold truck. Nikki was wearing my clothes, and we watched Nikki's dad drive the giant truck up the gravel road and come towards us. Nikki's dad got out and thanked mom. Then Nikki got inside the cold truck, and we watched his dad back the giant truck careful on the gravel road beside the hill. I said bye, and he said bye, and I watched Nikki get inside, and his dad backed the truck back. Then we waved goodbye some more. Then the truck drove away, and then it suddenly stopped on the gravel road, and the door opened. Nikki got out, and he bent over and threw up one last time. Then he wiped his mouth, smiled and waved, and then they were gone. And so the years passed, and I didn't talk to Nikki anymore. We grew up and grew apart, but then in the 11th grade, we had a history class together. We never talked about how we were once friends, but were friends no more. We never talked about watching wrestling together or playing Dolly Parton or the ice cream sandwiches. I asked him about how we used to hang out, but he just looked at me like I was crazy, like he had no memory. Nikki made fun of a poem a teacher made me publish in the school newspaper because she thought it was good, but then one day late in the year, Nikki was gone. He was absent on Monday, he was absent on Tuesday, he was absent on Wednesday too. Where the fuck is Nikki, someone asked. On Thursday, Jimmy Gibson told us what he heard. He heard that Nikki's next-door neighbor had died, and Nikki was the one who found him. I went, fuck, and Travis Barker went, fuck, and then Jimmy Gibson said, yeah, fuck. But on the next Monday, when Nikki returned to school with a note from the school counselor to hand to Coach Sawyer, we didn't say fuck. We didn't say anything. And for the first week or so, Nikki didn't say anything either. I sat behind him and I wondered where the little boy I once knew was gone. He had been replaced with this new, slightly overweight Nicky, and I'd been replaced with a new person too, skinny and with glasses, teeth too big for my teenage mouth. And so we said nothing until one day at the end of the school year, Nicky turned around to us and said, You want to hear something fucked up? You want to know why I missed that week of school a couple months back? We didn't know what he was talking about, but we suspected what it was. We nodded our heads yes, and Nikki said, It doesn't look like it does in the movies. It doesn't look like it does in the movies at all. And Nikki told us about his neighbor. His name was Herschel. Nikki had known him his whole life. His wife Shirley used to babysit Nikki and his older brother. That day, Nikki was in his backyard of their trailer when he saw Herschel walking towards the outbuilding, but he didn't say anything about it. 
Nikki said, what's weird is I can't even remember whether he was carrying the gun or not. That's when they heard the shot. Nikki said it sounded like someone had set off a bomb. And then Nikki looked out the window and saw Shirley run into the outbuilding and look inside, and that's when the screaming started. Nikki told her she started screaming and hitting her head, screaming, Oh God, he's done it. Oh God, he's going and done it. She started slapping her face until her nose bled and a bead of blood dropped into her top lip. Nikki ran out of the trailer, and Nikki's mom just came to Charlie, who screamed. The doctor told him there was still a chance. The doctor told him there was still a chance. Nikki ran back inside the trailer and called 911. Then he ran back outside, and his mom was holding Shirley, and Shirley was screaming, Help him, Nikki, help him. He told us, I shouldn't have went over to their yard, but I did. There was a strange metallic smell in the outbuilding, and then another smell like cigarette smoke. Nikki said he walked around the corner and then Herschel was sitting there. He couldn't tell if it was Herschel, but the body was wearing Herschel's clothes. The gun was on his lap and his back was against the wall. You can't imagine it, Nikki said. His whole fucking head was gone. Just a body with a neck and part of a jaw. Then Nikki repeated, he didn't have a head. Jimmy said, what type of gun was it? Nikki said, 30-06, fucking elephant gun. Then Nikki laughed and said the paramedics showed up about 25 minutes later and they took him away, but they didn't even clean up after. He said, it's not like it is in the movies. So I told Shirley I'd help her and I don't know why I did. I told mom I didn't want Shirley to have to see it. Nikki said, I spent the rest of the evening cleaning the outbuilding and that's why I can't stop thinking about it. Nikki was quiet for a moment, and then he said, Brains. Then Nikki laughed, and we laughed too. We started talking about other things like NASCAR, and we didn't say anything else. And so later that night, I ate an ice cream sandwich, and I thought about the little boy named Nikki, who threw up on me a long time ago and blamed it on my cat. I thought about Nikki, who stopped being my friend because he was embarrassed and how I cried for him and how he didn't care. I tasted the ice cream sandwich now, and I thought about how time corrects everything. I ate the ice cream sandwich, and it tasted delicious, and it tasted like something else. It tasted almost like revenge.
I killed a cat before I left. I was supposed to go home real quick, get out of my work clothes, grab my bag. The sun was at a bad angle, so I stared through the dirty windshield into my eyes, and I didn't see the cat until it was too late. The cat didn't look too bad, laying there like it could just be sleeping, except for its right eye, which was pooling in blood. It breathed in and out, jagged and loud. I stood over it. It didn't lift its head or even look at me. A jeep drove past as I was standing there, two girls a few years younger than me. They probably went to my old high school, the one I dropped out of a year before. Long blonde hair and light tans, bikinis tied in knots around their necks. The jeep is brand new, shiny white, pink and yellow daisies applique to the back. They pulled over. Fuck, I said. They're going to come over here and make me feel bad about the cat. Oh my god, one of the girls yelled. Oh my god, the other girl yelled. I thought for a second that the cat was theirs. The one in the cutoffs felt around its neck for a collar. The cat was still doing the drag of breathing. What did you do? The one in the miniskirt yelled at me. She was slightly less attractive than the other one. Bigger nose, smaller chin. It ran in front of my car, I said. I tried to sound sad. I felt horrible, the sucking feeling in my gut and shaky hands. The sun was in my eyes, I couldn't see shit. I was about to tell them I wasn't speeding or anything, and it wasn't my fault, but it was clear they didn't care. Oh my god, one of them yelled again. We have to take it to the vet, the other said. It was after five, and the vet around the corner was closed. Blood was spilling out of the cat's eye into the pavement. The girls cradled the cat, one at the legs, the other the head, like a heavy, sacred object. They carted it over to the back of the jeep, not seeming to care if they stained their cute clothes with its doomed blood. They drove off without saying anything to me. I felt like shit. There was blood on the pavement just a little bit, a splotch the size of a lima bean. I had an urge to touch it, but I didn't want to touch it, so I got back in the car. There was nothing else to do. I drove home. I changed. I got on the train. I had a flask of cheap vodka and my silver pill case was full. I couldn't stop thinking about the bloody eye. I shut my eyes and it was still there, red and wet. I bought a bottle of orange juice at the snack bar, drank the vodka, ate two pills. The setting sun skimmed off the ocean, a bright orange globe behind my eyelids. I fell asleep. The purpose of the trip was to party. We were always going there to Santa Barbara. Me from San Diego where we'd all grown up. Blair and Kara from their college in Santa Cruz. Krista and Abby lived there in a studio apartment. In San Diego, I worked at the wine store and took a class online at the community college. I drank too much alone and slept a lot. Sometimes in the mornings, I could barely get out of bed. This feeling like some beast was crouched on my chest. In Santa Barbara, I drank more but not alone and I barely slept. I didn't know it until years later, but it was about time for the rest of them too. Blair had been raped at college and Kara was close to getting kicked out of school. Abby's dad had just died and Krista's Mormon family had cut her off. It was like we were playing a game each weekend. We tried to outdo each other and ourselves from the weekend before. There was the time we went to the porn party. They did a news story about it and we saw our dumb drunk faces on TV. There was the time we wore wet underwear in a kiddie pool, holding a sign asking for money for our abortions. Between all of it, half of us had spent a night in jail, less serious than it sounded. The cops took you away in a van, fed you a sandwich, and let you out in the morning. Then there was the game they played out on Del Playa, the main street, which was crowded each weekend with thousands of students, thousands of strangers walking from party to party. We got a point for each penis we grabbed as we walked. The reactions varied. Sometimes the boys yelled and asked for our numbers, but most of them, we did it for the look on their faces. Pinched, flushing red, surprised, afraid. I didn't say anything about the cat when I got there. I was still thinking about it. 
I wanted it to go away. We shotgun beers and I tried to push it out of my brain. A few beers in and it grew softer. I pretended it was something I saw in a movie. It floated out and away. The girls wanted to go to the party at the big house next door. I wanted to do anything else. I didn't like those boys because they were stupid and boring. But I agreed to go anyway, didn't even complain. When we walked over, there was nobody there yet and the boys were playing pool. They offered us cups of punch, which we took, and then they ignored us. We sat on the couch and made up a new game. We came up with the concept, the name, the rules, a priority, an equal opportunity Greek fraternal organization, Delta Iota Kappa. If boys wanted to join, they had to show us their dick. I took out the notebook I kept in my purse and we wrote all of it down. Only one of the boys in the house was cute. His name is Remy. He was stupid and dressed bad, but he looked like some guy in an underwear ad, blonde hair and chiseled everything, bright blue eyes. We called him over to us. We told him we needed a cute boy in our sorority. Just show us your dick, Kara said. It'll take one second, Blair said. Just a peek, I said. We'll get a patch, Abby said. Someone on your jacket. Remy laughed. He seemed uncomfortable, which was the point. You guys are crazy, he said. He walked away. Toward midnight, we were sitting on the patio. I bought this jug of juice from the store because I thought the name was funny. Beef Amato. It was Clamato, but with beef broth instead. We were trying to sell it to this boy. He was younger, only 17, had come up to visit his brother for the weekend. We told him it was mixed with vodka. Just try a sip, I said. It's so strong. He took a sip. Beef broth. Isn't it good? Krista asked him. Oh man, I said. I got so fucked up from it last weekend. I don't taste anything, the boy said. This shit is gross. It's the tomato juice, Kara said. Haven't you ever had a Bloody Mary? You can't even taste the vodka. Oh yeah, he never had a Bloody Mary. Okay, he said, how much? 20 bucks, I said. I paid 40. Why don't you want it, he said. Last weekend was too much, I said. Oh my God, we got so fucked up, Abby said. Just the thought of it makes me want to vomit, Blair said. He gave us $20. I put it in my pocket and we hopped over the patio wall. When we got into the alley, we started laughing and couldn't stop. What an idiot. At the store, we decided on whiskey. I liked the taste but forgot how it always made me mean. We drank it straight like shots right in the alley. I had that heavy feeling in my feet but the rest of my body felt floaty and nice. The cat was long gone and I could do anything. The bottle was just about empty when Remy came by. He was buying more beer for the party, he told us. The alley went from the apartment complex to the back entrance of the store. We were standing in the narrow part, a wooden fence and only enough room for one person. There was a hole in the fence and planks removed, which was how we got to the store. Krista stood in front of the hole. I was near the fence, blocking the light from the patio, darkening everything except Remy's beautiful face and shadows. You're going to join our sorority, Blair said. You have to, Krista said. Ha ha, Remy said. Something ran across his face like a rat. Beer. I pushed him against the fence, a hand on each shoulder hard. He seemed too startled to move. Get him, Kara said. Krista grabbed his belt, tugged at it, released. I kept him pinned to the wood. His pants were at his ankles. Oh, hey, hey, he said. He tried to bend down to pick up his pants, but I held on to his shoulders and he didn't fight back. Blair reached the hole in his boxers, found his cock. It's hard, she said. We laughed. It wasn't, but it was getting there. She tugged at it some rough. I took one hand off his shoulder and cupped his balls. Addie spat in her hand. She started jerking him off, sliding over the turkey neck to the tip. He still looked a little scared, but was breathing heavy, and it got heavier. Blair kissed him on the neck. 
and released his shoulders, took over for Abby. Kara grabbed his wrists and held them together. He was making little moans by then, jagged breaths, like the cat. Blair stopped kissing him, got on her knees. Come on my tits, she said. She was wearing a t-shirt, so this was technically impossible. Oh yeah, baby, she said, like a girl in a porno. Come on my tits. Look at that cock. It's so hard. You're so hot, baby. Remy's breathing got heavier. He made a soft cooing sound like a baby. His face scrunched up. He came. Blair reached up, caught it in her hand. She stood, wiped it on his shirt. She laughed. We laughed. Remy looked at the ground. You're fucking disgusting, Blair said. So gross, I said. You can't join our sorority, Krista said. Kara spat at his feet. We ran away. I looked back just for a second. I could only see his shadow. It was crouched over like maybe he had fallen. Maybe he was throwing up.